you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, everybody, what's going on? DJ and Bucky back on Move the Sticks as we power through the summer. And, uh, Buck, Fortunately, the NFL world has given us some things to talk about. Man, they always doing, man? they always give us stuff to talk about. Like the stuff that is happening, DJ. I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. Like part of when you get into the the scouting business and you get into it is because it's not as volatile as the coaching business. But I'm beginning to think that that little narrative, that belief, yeah, I don't think that exists anymore. <laughs> it doesn't exist <laughs> with the stuff it's that been we've crazy. seen. It's been absolutely. Oh my gosh, it's, uh, I just have never seen the volatility at the general manager, player personnel positions. That's supposed to be a stabilizing position, a position where you're thinking long range. And so when you're in a team building, you're thinking about how can I build this team that, and, and win and sustain it over time. Man, the way you keep swapping out guys at the top, it just makes it very, very hard to be able to sustain it. No doubt, and we're going to get into that. The uh, NFL has seen two general managers lose their job after the draft, which is something that doesn't normally happen. We're going to touch on uh, those two situations there with the Jets as well as uh, what recently went down with the Houston Texans. Uh, Talk about Carson Wentz and his new contract. What does that mean going forward for the rest of these quarterbacks searching for some new money? Uh, Bucky had an interesting scouting trip that he's returned from, so we're going to get some feedback from Buck there on that trip. We have a a great conversation conversation you're going to enjoy this uh, if you enjoy the team building aspect and that's something we always talk about here on the movie sticks podcast you can incorporate this not only uh, as a football fan and learn more about it from that standpoint but you can take some of these uh, lessons and in, into your job into the workforce uh, it can help you there because we're going to talk with tom telesco uh, general managers built one of the most talented rosters there uh, with the chargers and then uh, after that buck we talked about player stocks that we're buying uh, we're going to get into team stocks we're buying. Oh, I like that. I like it because I think there are a ton of teams that you have to be excited about based on what they've been able to do in the offseason when you put all of the things together, the draft, free agency, and how their young players are developing. A lot of optimism. A lot of optimism in the league. Uh, 
Absolutely. Uh, uh, let's start off first here. Uh, the New York Jets have a new general manager. It is Joe Douglas. This is uh, not a surprise to many folks. It was long presumed that Joe was going to be the number one target there for the Jets. He's worked with Adam Gase there in Chicago for a year when Joe was a director of college scouting before he moved over to Philadelphia. They move on from Mike McCagnan. I know they talked to a bunch of different mm-hmm. candidates, uh, but they got their guy. And to me, the uh, the most interesting thing about the whole story, and I can you know tell the folks more about Joe as I worked with him and known him for 20 years. Uh, maybe not that long. How many years? 16, 17 years? Anyways, we've known each other for a very long time, so I can fill, fill the folks in a little bit more about Joe. But I thought from, uh, from our perspective on this side of things, Buck, the interesting thing was not the, the money that Joe got. It was the years. When you have a head coach on a four-year contract, and now you bring a general manager on in a six-year contract, as it was reported, um, I think that tells us a little something. Well, I think it tells us a lot. I think that was probably one of the biggest things that you, you, you want to negotiate and haggle over if you're a general manager. You don't want to be tied to the coach. Um, we've seen how that necessarily goes. When the coach goes, then the general manager goes. You want, as the general manager, you want to have the opportunity to, if it's not going the right way on the field in terms of the way the players are developing, the way the team is performing uh, between the lines, you want to have the opportunity to bring in your own coach. And so because Adam Gase is already there, Joe D wants to have the opportunity that look, if it doesn't go the way that everyone wants it to go, you want to have the opportunity to be able to find somebody that can fix it and do it more so in your vision. So it's just a little protection to make sure that you have an opportunity to kind of build this program the right way. Yeah, for those that are wondering if you're a Jets fan and what you're getting here in Joe Douglas, I tweeted tweeted out a little bit about him. I said my cliff notes there is just, hey, look, he's very detailed. He's very smart. Uh, he's organized. He's an outstanding evaluator. One of the best things I can say about Joe, he doesn't have an ego. You know, he's he spent 15 years with the Baltimore Ravens uh, learning under Ozzie Newsome, and that's one of the things – I took away from Ozzy two things. Number one, he didn't have an ego. Number two, he's a great listener. And Joe has uh, has both those qualities that are going to serve him well uh, there with the Jets. Now, in terms of team building and stylistically what he wants to do, Joe is an offensive lineman. Joe believes in the trenches offensively, defensively. And I think if you look at this Jets team, um, the reason why there was a change, there was a failure to get that offensive line where it needed to be. And I imagine that'll be the first focus there for Joe as he goes into the next offseason to get the offensive line where it needs to be and get the defensive line, continue to add reinforcements. They've got some nice pieces there in that defensive front with Leonard Williams, now Quinn and Williams. But he's going to throw reinforcements at the line of scrimmage that's who he is that's what he believes in and that's what you can expect going forward oh I think you have to be strong up front I think when you look at today's game and you've seen the best teams are the teams that are the guys that can impose their will on both sides of the line of scrimmage and so when you're looking at the New York Jets and you're looking at what they have on their roster their crown jewel is the quarterback in Sam Donald so if you want to do everything in your power to protect them yes you need to surround them with playmakers but you also need to make sure that you have a rock solid offensive line in front of him knowing Joe background, knowing how he wants to be rough and rugged at the point of attack, they have to do a better job of investing in that offensive line, making sure that they have premier players at the point of attack. And then also knowing the background. We saw what Philadelphia was able to do when they won the Super Bowl. They were to throw waves of defensive linemen and pass rushers at the quarterback. You've seen what Baltimore has been able to do traditionally. Their defensive front, their front seven, their front four, been able to consistently get after the passer. We know that a lot of their focus and emphasis will be on fortifying the trenches, making sure that they can kind of play the rough and tumble ball that is necessary to win the AFC East. 
I did find it kind of funny, uh, Puck, in that, you know, look, it doesn't matter. You could go hire uh, – I mean, look, if, if Bill Walsh was still living and you hired him as a head coach tomorrow, there would be a crowd of people on Twitter that would tell you everything that's wrong with Bill Walsh, and he just had great players mm-hmm. had nothing to do with him. Uh, people always looking to complain. So this complaint that I've seen on social media I got a kick out of was, if you look at the Philadelphia Eagles drafts over the last few years, they only have this many starters, and they've been very average, blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying, you know, you know why you're a great organization and having come from where Joe came from and, and I was there and saw it firsthand is you can draft Terrell Suggs when you have two big time pass rushers already on your roster. He doesn't have to start right away because you draft yes. the best player available. You can go draft Todd Heap when you have Shannon Sharp. So after a year, you say, oh, no, Todd Heap didn't start a game. He didn't even start a game. That's a that's a missed pick. Like they're going to say, was Dallas Goddard a missed pick? Because I think Dallas Goddard's going to be an outstanding pro, but they already had Zach Ertz. Uh, Derek Barnett, you already had Brandon Graham yes. and a whole host of defensive linemen there. All I know is you get in the playoffs, he was making big time plays. You're good organizations because you have roster depth and your young guys don't have to fill big time roles early on. So I find that criticism to be kind of funny. Yeah, I think it is kind of funny. I I think also a lot of the criticism when it comes to the draft, I think is overblown. I know like we're in the business of talking about the draft and discussing it. But let's be honest. It's a first and second round league. You have to hit on your first round picks and you need to be very, very solid on your second round picks. Anything beyond that is really gravy. And if you ask any executive when they talk about their third, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick, they typically don't have high expectation that those guys are going to come and be blue-level starters. If they are, it's either because they had character concerns, which led Your them to fall. stinks. <laughs> or, or it was literally just a miss. The league missed on the player. But you have to evaluate rosters on what they're able to do in the first round and really the second round. Beyond that is really a crapshoot. And so I think so much of what we hear about when it comes to evaluating rosters and that stuff, people talk about, oh, well, they didn't get a fourth-round pick or whatever. Those guys are coin flips anyway. Really focus on what they did in the early rounds. Those are the guys that are your foundational pieces. Yeah, and to keep that kind of theme alive, if everything goes according to plan, Andre Dillard, the Eagles' first-round pick this year, he's not going to play much this year either. But, no. like uh, Because you draft the best available player, it's for the future. And, and that's what it is. It, it is really about best player available. And I know you would like your, you know, your team needs to kind of match up with what the supply is, but you can never go wrong when you take good players because it only elevates the talent on your roster and it gives you an opportunity to eventually spin off some of those things that you have a surplus of to get back what you need down the road. All right, before we get to this Texan situation here, last thing, we'll put a bow on it there um, with Joe Douglas and the Jets. I do want to encourage uh, Jets fans on this on this one because a lot of times we've talked about it a bunch in here. In the draft room when you're with your scouting buddies, could be on the road, could be in your own building, um, you can have a pretty heated debate you know, about this guy versus that guy, and sometimes you need to let it play out and see who's right and who's wrong. And I look, I, I've never been shy about it. You haven't been shy about it. We talk about our misses, um, mm-hmm. guys we got wrong, and there's one – point in time where me and Joe uh I had uh I think I might have been even by myself on this one and you'll realize why there's there's a couple guys in the Ravens scouting room and we got pretty heated and it went back and forth and went over text messages and then over time uh it's it's become a knockout blow there's no question I was wrong on this one and they were right because early 2000s buck we had a discussion Chevy Chase versus Bill Murray, and I went Team Chevy Chase. 
I went hard with Chevy Chase. I had the vacations on my side. I like the vacation movies. It's yeah. a great one. I spies National like Lampoons. us. Three yeah. Amigos. I mean, I had. I felt I had a pretty strong Fletch. Are you kidding me, Fletch? I, I even mean, like Fletch. He lyrics. had a strong. He came out the box. Came out the box strong. Strong, strong, and then. Um, Really, uh, really a fade there. And Bill Murray came <laughs> back with more life. And Bill Murray started still spitting out good ones. And eventually, I had you, sometimes as an evaluator, you have to throw your hands up and say, okay, I got that one wrong. Yeah. Uh, so that's the kind of judgment you have there uh, from your new general manager. I think Jets fans ought to feel good about that. Uh, hit, we're going to have hits and misses on, on actors and comedians and all of that other stuff. Yeah. It goes beyond the prospects when you listen to Mood of Sticks. We, we give you a little bit of everything, a little pop culture. We can go deeper. We can go deeper. All right, give me your thoughts here on what went down with the Texans. Man, I, I have no idea. Like, this is crazy because, like, we've seen this happen twice where Bill O'Brien has been able to win a power struggle, I guess, and he's kind of like the, I mean, the Lord of the Rings. He's able to get whatever he wants done despite what some people would say, just an average record, an average production and performance from his team. But evidently, Bill O'Brien and Brian Games had a fallen out, uh, didn't necessarily see eye to eye, even though the Texans are coming off a season where they were 11-5. and five. They have a hot young quarterback in Deshaun Watson. They have a very, very talented roster, particularly when you look at J.J. Watt and Jadevian Clowney, uh, some of the other pieces that they have in place. But for whatever reason, Bill O'Brien, Brian Gain, they're not seeing the game the same way and so Brian Gain is out even though he still has what three years left on his deal uh that he just I think it was four I think it was one year into a five year I mean that man he talking about less than I mean talking about a year into it and so I mean this is a big surprise this is a major shakeup and so we'll see they've already interviewed Ray Farmer they've interviewed Martin Mayhew which Peter Schrager uh our Peter Schrager recently reported but man I, I think you might have a tough time getting somebody to take this job just because we've seen the volatility that has occurred over the last two years. A couple thoughts on this. Um, the first thought from me is we usually talk about, uh, you know, a championship window closing. We used, to, we used to do this back in the day of, okay, your quarterback's getting up there in his mid-30s. That window's closing. There is urgency. There's pressure. You've got to win right now. And then it's kind of flipped to where when you have a young quarterback who's so cheap, um, there's pressure on you during that five-year period where you've got a cost-controlled quarterback to go for it. And we've seen it. We've talked about it a billion yes. times on here, what the Eagles did, what the Rams have done, uh, building around that quarterback that the started with the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson. So having some urgency to build this thing with that young quarterback. Well, now what? this is going into year three here uh, with Deshaun Watson, who's one of the most talented young quarterbacks we have in the league. I think this, to me, uh, shows there is some urgency with this organization. We need to win right now. And, and in the context of this division, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, that was just the beginning uh, for them last year. Mm -hmm. They have done a, a wonderful job under Chris Ballard of building up this roster. They've got an immensely talented quarterback in Andrew Luck. And that machine, the money that they have, you know, they have already they paid got it in Luck, the war They have plenty of money. Yeah. Plenty of money. So so that team is is coming up. You've got the Jacksonville Jaguars who uh, stumbled last year, but extremely talented. The Tennessee Titans are not an easy, that's not an easy opponent. They're going to be, you know, they've been stuck in that nine win range, but it's a good opponent. So where this division is, where the quarterback is, this move to me with four years left on a general manager's contract speaks to urgency and Buck. 
you know, maybe I'm crazy, but I'll be shocked if this is not somebody from the New England tree. They've tried going in we, different directions. Uh, Monty Austin Ford, somebody we know really well uh, there with the Patriots, one of the bright young guys uh, in the league. And we'll see if they can ever pry Nick Cesario uh, out from under Bill Belichick. I don't know if they'll be able to get him. But uh, to me, it points towards somebody with a close connection to Bill O'Brien. How about Scott Pioli? Scott Pioli recently resigned. Yeah, there's another one. Yeah. The Atlanta Falcons. He obviously knows the Patriot way. He has done a really good job. He's kind of changed his personality and the way that he is perceived to be in the media. He could be a guy that steps in and gives Bill O'Brien the structure that he wants in terms of maybe trying to recreate some of the things that they were able to do in New England. I would keep an eye on him. I think the big thing, Bill O'Brien is, is look, he's on the clock. He's on the clock in terms of, like, he has all the power. He is the one that is really kind of making this move happen. And so you got to see more wins, more production. And you, we've seen them win and get into the playoffs, but now we need to see them win in a major way because you're right. The urgency is there because Deshaun Watson is on his rookie deal. And we are seeing how these deals are coming up with a new CBA. Who knows how much money the quarterback will command, and it's going to be challenging to continue to build your team when your quarterback is commanding so much of the salary cap pie. Yeah, and we, we talk about the urgency to win right now, and that's going to be fascinating to watch what happens with Jadevian Clowney um, as a little aside there. We'll see. I, I know last year we saw Khalil Mack um, get traded, obviously very late into the process. Um, I, I just wouldn't sleep on that. As long as they don't have a deal done and they've got other players they can win with at those positions, it would be interesting to see what they do there. If they get a new general manager in place, a fresh set of eyes um, to go together with Bill O'Brien and say, hey, you know, maybe this is a time we try and maximize what we could get for him. Um, if they do, in fact, uh, make a move there. So that'll be an interesting subplot there in that situation. Very interesting because Jadevian Clowney wants to get paid. He wants to get big-time money. We've seen the money that has been going to pass rushers, Frank Clark and D. Ford, Demarcus Lawrence. Um, Jadevian Clowney is going to want to be in that range. And so when you put uh, him alongside J.J. Watt, you understand what they have in terms of their foundation on defense. It's just a matter of can they get a multi-year deal done. And with some of the... Uh, reports and rumors coming out that Bill O'Brien and Jadavian Clowney don't uh, see the game eye to eye. They're not necessarily on the same page. Maybe they don't like each other. We'll see. It may take a general manager that is able to bridge the gap and kind of handle some of those conversations that will need to be handled when it comes to Jadavian Clowney's representation and even the player himself. So we'll see how it plays out, but this is a critical time for the Houston Texans. They have to get this hire correct. Absolutely. Um, and talk about whether or not they're going to pay Jadevian Clowney. One guy who did get paid here uh, quickly is Carson Wentz. Ooh-wee. That big deal came down. He got a lot of change. He got a lot of change there, Buck. And and to me, I don't have a problem with it at all. I thought, look, let's get this distraction over with, uh, get him taken care of. Was playing well last year. Gosh, he was completing almost 70% of his passes um, in the 11 games that he played. Unfortunately, has the injury. Uh, but you go back and look at the Super Bowl year, and Foles obviously gets the credit for what took place at the end of the season, the postseason, um, getting that Super Bowl to Philadelphia. But Carson Wentz was going to be the MVP. If he had stayed healthy that year, he was going to be the MVP in the National Football League. So the talent is without question. Yeah, the talent is certainly there. Um, the talent is there. He was the second overall pick. He's a big, strapping, strong-arm playmaker guy that can do it athletically. He can move around and make plays with his feet, can give you the zone run, quarterback run game stuff that you want, can also make plays uh, from the pocket. He has been spectacular when he's been healthy. The issue that some people will have, the injury history. He's kind of been beat up a lot, was yep. hurt at uh, 
North Dakota State. Uh, he's North been Dakota banged State. up. He's been banged up a little bit as a pro. And so you're kind of wondering, are you going to be able to really see him be an MVP caliber player for a long time? I think it was actually in Carson Wentz's best interest to take the deal now as it was offered. Uh, when you've had the injuries that he's had, you want to make sure that, hey, let's secure the bag. I know that I could probably play it out and maybe get more, but let's secure the bag. Let's tie my future to the Philadelphia Eagles for a long term. And even if the CBA kind of opens up the freeway when it comes to the amount of money quarterbacks could make going forward, I think it's better for Carson Wentz to do a deal now that would put him in that $32 million range and allow him to be the face of the franchise going forward for the Eagles. Yeah, I think from the Eagles standpoint, just kind of a really the timing was all about accounting and where you kind of fit money in. And this is a good opportunity for them. They have the space, they have the room. Go ahead and get this done uh, right now. That's something that Howie Roseman has done as well as any general manager in the NFL. Uh, manage that salary cap, know when the opportunities are to lock up uh, your key guys and none more key than the quarterback of your football team. So uh, I thought it was smart for both parties to go ahead and get that thing done uh, at this point in time. Uh, Buck, you just went on a recent uh, scouting trip to Mobile, Alabama. Now, more, normally we're going to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, and that's in uh, in January. What the heck were you doing out there uh, this time of year? So, look, this is a fascinating program, and I'm really ex excited about being a part of it. Jim Nagy had called. He invited a couple pro scouts, uh, for, well, a current scout, Tim Terry, who is the pro director for the Kansas City Chiefs. He invited me to kind of represent the college side. Dan Hadman, who runs the Scouting Academy, he had decided to really open his doors at the Senior Bowl offices and invite former players in to learn about the scouting biz. He believes that former players uh, could make very, very good styles. He wanted to kind of give them a gateway to entry and expose them to the business. So for two days, I went and presented on everything that I know about being a scout, how to evaluate, how to go on the road, how to write reports, how to manage my schedule, how to deal with restrictions, how to conduct a school call and school visit, what to think about. And DJ, I'm going to be honest with you. It has been a while since I've kind of had like the, the <laughs> scouting spirit stirred a little bit. It was stirred a little bit because, yeah. Um, yeah. man, look, as much as there's some things that maybe we talk about the road being tough, there is something to the art of being able to evaluate players and to go through it and have conversations and to talk about one player over another player or to theorize about building a team. And so I got a chance to do that with these these guys. And as much as I may have shared and, and, and gave, I think I came back learning even that much more. Sylvester Kroon came in and talked about uh, running backs and building teams and offense and things to think about. And so – it was really exciting to kind of be back in the mix to look at a draft board, to look at the draft board that they already have in place and in line for the Senior Bowl and to talk about some of the guys in the 2020 class. And so for me, it was a great opportunity, and I am thrilled that I had an opportunity to kind of give back and share. That is so cool. I know um, something I believe Phil Savage started there uh, yes. when he was heading up the, the Reese's Senior Bowl, and Jim's done a, a great job of continuing on uh, that tradition. And, and those types of opportunities, uh, you, you, I'm glad the way you phrased that, Buck, because a lot of times you get invited to be in a circle of people, and they invite you in to share your knowledge. And like if you're doing this thing right, you go in there, you share something, you're getting a whole lot more back, and, and that's part of just being a – an active uh, learner, and that's something, man, you've, you've done it this offseason, Buck. You go up to Canada, you've been to Mobile, uh, getting all those ideas, and selfishly, I'm just going to try and steal them for the podcast here so we can roll. No, it, 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 DJ, it's been great. You know, like, the one thing, like, when you've scouted, 
you're kind of beholden to the team that you work for, right? And hopefully you've had good yep. mentors. You certainly have had. I've had plenty of mentors uh, when it comes to the people off the Ron Wolf tree, being able to spend time also in Carolina with John Fox and Marty Herney and Tony Softley and those guys. So you learn how to do it a couple different ways. But I'm a big believer that you always can learn from others. And so hearing Jim Nagy's mm-hmm. stories where he spent time with the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs and then the Seattle Seahawks, Dan Hadman, who had been with the Eagles and the Giants, and just listening to how – Guys have been taught the business, whether it's the grading skill or how you write reports or how you kind of think about players and evaluate tape and those things. To me, it was really kind of like a graduate level uh, class in terms of just being able to get back to the nuts and bolts of the business. And sometimes in, in TV and the side that we're on, we still evaluate, we still do those things. But you can say it's a little different than when you work for a team. When you work for a team, it's a little more specific and tied to the team. Now we're kind of generalizing how we like players. And so sometimes it's good to kind of get back to the essence of what we got into it for, which was really evaluating players and trying to figure out a way to build the best roster to give your team a chance to compete for the title. I love it. I love it, Buck. And uh, I'm going to get with you offline here and get some more information on what went down there because I, I think it's a great idea. And you could tell you it left you uh, it left you a little fired up. Got me fired uh, up about the biz again. Like, like, man, I, I, like I love I, that. I almost went like this weekend. Almost. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to start just grinding away on the 2020 class. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do all these reports. <laughs> I'm going to stack more board. And then I was like, hold up. You got plenty of time. Once this train Slow starts, down. it doesn't stop. Slow Look. down a little bit. So I pumped my brakes a little bit. I didn't delve all the way into it, but I got my toe wet a little yeah. bit. Toe wet. Talking about those guys. I love it. Well, talking about team building uh, leads us into this next conversation here. I had a chance a little bit earlier today to uh, to catch up with Tom Telesco uh, from the Chargers. This is a team that's uh, coming off a 12-win season, uh, a loss to the Patriots there, second round of the postseason, a big win over the Baltimore Ravens, a team on the cusp uh, of a Super Bowl run here. They are right there, and I uh, love talking team building with Tom. Uh, here's our conversation. Tom, we got plenty of time to talk about football and about your team, but I want to start off in another sport, in basketball, because as we've watched these uh, these NBA finals unfold, uh, the Toronto Raptors have been a fascinating case study for any team builder such as yourself, and that I, I thought a pretty bold move to go out and get Kawhi Leonard, one of the top players in the NBA, knowing, hey, this might only be you know a one-year deal here for him. People thought, ah, oh, are they mortgaging the future? You know, is this an over-aggressive move? I love your thoughts on that. Just as a team builder, maybe taking a little bit of a bold step and what you think about how they've how they've built that team. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly when you sit in my seat, I'm always looking at different sports, different teams, how they're built. Um, actually, I was down at the Padres game yesterday against the Nationals, and we're just watching how I was the there too. built their team. But oh, you were there too? Back to back to back to back. Four home, home runs, runs in a row. Nationals. That was <laughs> <laughs> We saw history at least. But, uh, you know, yeah, watch, watching the Raptors, uh, how they put their team together, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's, you know, I guess it is a bold move bringing, bringing Kyrie in for, for one year. Or Kawhi, I'm sorry. Um, but Kawhi, if you've ever yeah. been to Toronto, it's a beautiful city. You bring them in for, for a year and try and sell them on staying in Toronto long term. Uh, they made the head coaching change you know, after their head coach had been coached the year, the, I think the year or two before. Um, but they made some changes up, up front. They're a fun team to watch. They're athletic. They're active. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe they brought in 
Uh, Kawhi Leonard thinking, hey, let's get him in here for one year. Uh, we'll make a run at this and hopefully sell him on, on, on our organization, on our city, and uh, we keep him here long term. But, uh, boy, they're a fun team to watch. It's been a great series. I'm a big NBA basketball fan. I'm a big basketball fan in general. Um, but it's been fun to watch. I think people that are listening to this might be kind of surprised to know uh, the general managers of the National Football League paying attention to what goes on in other sports and paying attention to how teams are built and constructed. Uh, have you had uh, built up some relationships across other sports uh, throughout your years in your role? Yeah, I've been very lucky, uh, and, and that's what uh, I love to do that. I love to talk to other GMs and baseball and basketball, um, hockey, um, I've made a lot of contacts over the years and to, just to try and get some new ideas, learn from r some really smart people um, everywhere I've been. And, and I think there's so many ideas you can gain from what other teams do. You know, it's not like I can call another NFL team and bounce ideas off them about how, what their processes are, different things that they do. So um, whether it's any sport, you know, I've been able to keep in contact with different GMs and uh, just learn. I mean, there's really, really smart team builders out there. And there are so many different ways to build a team. There's not just one specific formula. So to talk with different people, get some different ideas, um, it's really, really helpful. And it's, it's fun. I mean, if, if you love sports like I do, and I love all sports, um, it's fun talking with these other, other GMs and head coaches. And, you know, very lucky to be in the spot I am where I'm able to do that. I love that. Uh, I think there is so much you can learn. I know a lot of folks have learned a lot from European soccer. We've seen that sports science impact kind of start over there and then really make its way uh, over to the American sports leagues. Uh, with your team, the, the Chargers, let's get into that a little bit here. Uh, when, I, when I look at this team, I haven't you know, seen and followed this team all year long, and now look at what you've done in the offseason. You know, I know you've got stars. You've got your Boses. You've got the Ingrams. Um, you've got, obviously, Philip Rivers and company. There's a lot of stars in this football team. But right now, when I look at it, the word depth is one that, that jumps out to me, Tom. When you look, especially in that defensive front, the depth that you've been able to build up, uh, was that really a focus for you, kind of going in the offseason, is just be able to withstand the injuries that are inevitably going to come in an NFL season? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, big focus to, to try and build as deep a 90-man roster as we can, and uh, like you said, it's, it's a long NFL season. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have players maybe at certain positions that don't perform the way you expect, and you need to have some depth behind them to step in and play, and that can be the difference between nine wins and 12 wins. It could be the difference between winning the division and not winning the division. So, um, yeah, it was a huge focus this year just to add as much depth as we can going into training camp and still even right now to see what we can do. It's Once you get into training camp, um, you know, you kind of are what you are. Maybe you get lucky and you could add a player here or there at different positions. Uh, the cut to 53 in the first week of September, you may be able to find a depth player here or there uh, at certain positions. There's some positions at that point, it's hard to find a player that can come in and contribute right away. But um, now we're still looking as we move into training camp, any places we can really strengthen ourselves for more competition going into camp. Because we know like, every team in the league, and not just us, every team in the league, we're going to have injuries throughout the way. We need to have players that can step in, keep that train moving, and still produce it at a winning level as we wait for those starters to come back. And it, it takes more than 22 starters in this league. And like you said on the defensive line, um, especially the way we play, it's an active front. Um, and to keep guys fresh, we want to be able to play eight guys, play nine guys up front uh, to get after the quarterback. 
I think that's a really kind of a trend we've seen for a long time in the NFL. Championship teams, those waves of talent they have up front on the defensive line go along with great quarterback play. That's that's a good foundation uh, to have. Speaking of the quarterback, Phillip Rivers, uh, I did see Mr. Spanos came out the other day and said something will eventually get done here uh, with his contract situation. He's going into the last year of his deal. I, I'm not going to get into you with you know where you're at in, in those negotiations, but I do know you have a lot of players that are coming due here uh, pretty quick, star players. And when you see deals done at their position, you know, for instance, you see it in Eli Manning, uh, or sorry, uh, Ben Roethlisberger deal come down, yeah. same draft class as the Phillip Rivers. Then you see, you know, you've got Melvin Gordon, you see a Todd Gurley deal go down at the running back position. I'm just curious with you and Ed McGuire, who's, who's handled the cap for the Chargers for so long, uh, when one of those deals goes down, uh, do you guys kind of get together? Is there a meeting? Is there a conversation? Okay, what does this mean for us going forward? Yeah, uh, you know, first, Ed McGuire does a tremendous job, has been doing this, doing this job for a number of years, and uh, is excellent at it. And, uh, yeah, every time yeah, a deal is done um, at that position in that market, yeah, there's no doubt we'll sit down and talk about it. Um, you know, Ed breaks down every contract that comes in, but, you know, contracts like those, we'll sit down and talk about how it's going to affect us. And, uh, look, it's, it's a good problem to have that we have a lot of players on our football team, uh, many that are homegrown, that we want to do extensions with. We, we want to, our, our philosophy is, is draft, develop, resign. Uh, now, can you do that with every single player that you draft? No, ne- not necessarily you can, um, but that's our philosophy, and then we'll, we'll supplement through free agency, you know, on the back end. But, um, no, we have some players that are up that we have to do some work on. And, uh, look, yeah, there's, there's a market at every position, and uh, those are the discussions you have with the other players' representatives and try and work through it. Um, but like I said, it's a good problem to have that we have a lot of players in a football team uh, that we want to extend and keep here for a long time with obviously, you know, Philip being, you know, an easy one right there. Yeah, if you don't have any players you're looking to sign, I think we got uh, you got real problems, Sarah. I think you'd much rather have these problems uh, <laughs> that you have right now with all these yeah, guys. Good problems uh, to have. Last question. Absolutely. Last question on the Chargers here. Um, Thomas Davis, I thought was a fascinating signing. And when you look at the way the league's gone in, in free agency, you know, youth is seemed to be what everybody's after. Obviously, everybody's trying to get younger. Is there opportunities like a guy with a guy like Thomas Davis, uh, where you can get veteran value, uh, somebody like that with the experience, the knowledge he brings, the leadership? Um, and I look at what you're able to get him for. It looked like a, a pretty darn good value you're able to get there. Yeah, we thought so. I mean, yeah, look, we would all love to sign uh, a UFA. And at any position as who's 25 years old and in the prime of their career. I'd love to have that. Uh, financially, it's not always possible. And, and obviously, those players don't come to market that are free very often. So uh, we didn't set out to sign a you know, 35, 36-year-old linebacker as we went into free agency. But um, as we watched Thomas play and we know his career at Carolina and see where his, the level of play still is, um, not to mention what he brings experience and character-wise to the locker room, which is a bonus um, you know, he played a position that we felt like we had to be deeper at. Um, that was the one position last year. We had a lot of injuries. Um, I didn't set us up well enough at that position to be able to handle those injuries, which is why Gus Bradley did a tremendous job of really using, you know, our defensive backs in different ways to try and cover up for our injuries at linebacker. Uh, but in the end, we need linebackers to play linebacker most often. So uh, Thomas Davis was a, was a player that we thought fit us very well. And if you look at you know, the style, at least how we play. I mean, Thomas Davis is a former safety. Um, Kaiser White, who played for us last year, actually won a starting job for us last year as a rookie. He was a safety at, at West Virginia. And then Drew Tranquil, who we drafted this year in the, in the fourth round, 
Um, you know, a safety in Notre Dame his first couple of years moved to linebacker. So you can kind of see the style that we look for at linebacker. Thomas fits all that. And uh, watching him practice here in OTAs, it's been, uh, it's been fun. I mean, he goes hard all the time. And you can see how players like him that have the talent, have the makeup, and then have the work ethic, you can see why uh, the player, how they turn into the player that they are today. I mean, he is 110% all go every snap in OTAs in March and April and May and June, and uh, to the point where we have to hold them back a little bit. But those are the players we want to add, and uh, you know, is there value there? I don't really look at value. I don't see his players being on sale or, or anything like that, but we just thought mm -hmm. as a player that he really fit what we look for style-wise, performance-wise, and obviously the makeup part of it too. Yeah, all gas, no breaks has been the way he's played the game since he's, uh, since he's coming to the league. Look forward to, yeah, to yeah. seeing you and all these Charger players on Wednesday. We're going to be out there. NFL Network will have uh, three hours of live coverage uh, there from Chargers camp. So I know everybody will look forward to, uh, to seeing that. Hey, man, I appreciate so much uh, you giving me uh, your time. And I look forward to visiting with you on Wednesday out there at Chargers camp. All right, great. We'll see you Wednesday. Take care. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Buck. Well, I know you've known Tom for a long time uh, as well, and it's always fascinating to talk with him because we, we were talking earlier on in the show about always trying to learn, and it's fascinating to me that Tom spends time talking with general managers from all these different sports and, and try and get as much information and knowledge as you, as you possibly can. You know, DJ, that's something that we've talked about, and one of the things that we want to bring to the pod down the line is, uh, you know, building a team is, is building a team in any way, shape, or form, be it in baseball, basketball, be it in business, being able to identify how to put the best product on the field or in the boardroom or out there for public consumption, that's what you want. And so I am a big believer, as you are, in always learning. And the fact that Tom Telesco is willing to put himself out there and to learn from others, to me, I think it's, a, it, it's worthy of a tip of the cap because – you never have all the answers, and so sometimes you just kind of want to see how others do it because it can kind of spark an idea that maybe change the way that you think about building a team. No, absolutely. Um, and to me, you look at the New England Patriots, they've been the cream of the crop in the National Football League for so long, and Bill Belichick constantly bringing in people from the outside, uh, continuing to learn and to grow, and not only in the football world, talking to people outside that space uh, as well. All right, the other day we did a, uh, a quick discussion on player stocks that we were buying. Today, Buck, we're talking about team stocks that we're buying. We're just going to buy three stocks. We believe in the future of this team, where they're headed, what they've accomplished in the offseason. I say we work three to one. Uh, I'll give you the floor to go first, and I'll, I'll piggyback you here. Okay, so I'm going to go three, then you're going to go three? All right, here we go. So I'm going to start yeah, out. Let's do it. Like the Carolina Panthers are the third team to keep your eye on. And the reason that I am big on the Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton is coming back. And I expect Cam Newton to come back and return to Superman form. He is really kind of settling into the system under North Turner. And I just know that North Turner does a great job of elevating quarterbacks. So when you think about Cam Newton's talent, not only as a runner, but the arm talent that he has, we saw him show flashes before the injury a season ago. Now you get him fully back to health. He should play like an all-star. That is why I'm optimistic about the Panthers. Plus, Gerald McCoy joining Don Terry Poe on that defense. I think that defense is going to be a little bit better if Brian Burns can give them something. I believe the Panthers are going to be in the mix in the NFC South. 
Uh, that's a good one there, the Carolina Panthers. That is a tough division, another division that's going to be tough. Uh, you look at the NFC East. I'm going to go to the Eagles as my, as my number three team. That's a stock that I'm buying. Now, uh, I know they, you know, win total last year doesn't wow you, but they get into the postseason. They go win a tough game on the road against the Chicago Bears. I know what uh, this team is made of, and I think Carson Wentz, Based off everything I've heard talking to people in that organization, how he's looked, obviously they just gave him the new contract. I think he's due for a very big year with all the weaponry he has around him. We talked about him uh, just the other week when you were mentioning the best group of receivers and the variety they can throw Mm -hmm. at you with an Alshon Jeffrey, bringing back a Deshaun Jackson. Everything I've heard in the offseason, it's been an outstanding run there for Nelson Aguilar. So you bring in a J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. They've got Ertz. They've got Goddard. They have so many weapons around him him and they've built depth in that offensive line to be able to withstand any injuries so I think offensively they're going to score a bunch of points and I think defensively again they can throw wave at waves at you up front with that defensive line I'm uh, I'm buying a lot of stock here in the Philadelphia Eagles I think they're going to win this division I think they're a threat to go a long way in the postseason I mean I like what they're doing I like what they're building I like the way this team is headed Look, you got the quarterback on the contract. You got him done. He's going to be there for a while. He's going to have more confidence because you really have shown that long-term commitment. And I think he's going to bounce back to being the guy that played at an MVP caliber his second season. And so Philadelphia Eagles are squarely in the mix. I'm going to go with a team in that division, and I'm going to say that they are on the rise, even though they made the playoffs a season ago. How about the Dallas Cowboys? The Dallas Cowboys are a team that I'm excited about because defensively, Chris Richard has done a great job of getting this team up and going. They are playing fast. They're playing physical. They fly to the ball with reckless abandon. Demarcus Lawrence is signed, lock, stock, and barrel. Then you have Jalen Smith and LVE, Leighton Vander Esch. You have Sean Lee there still being the mentor. And then in the back end, Byron Jones was playing at an all-pro level a season ago. I think he continues to get better under Richard. And then offensively, a full offseason for Amari Cooper to settle in and get comfortable with Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott coming back and then a new play caller in Kellen Moore. If Kellen Moore brings any of that dynamic shifting in motion and misdirection that we saw him execute at Boise as a quarterback, I think this offense has a chance to really make a major jump. Yeah, a lot of pressure there on Kellen Moore. Get that offense cranked up and uh, going to be a fun division race to watch there. The Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, Redskins, very competitive football team uh, as well. The New York Giants, we'll see what that team looks like offensively in the upcoming season. Uh, number two for me, I'm going to go Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a team uh, not far removed from the discussion is, does this team have the most talent in the NFL? That's how deep that roster was uh, coming off that playoff appearance where they go into Pittsburgh and get them and uh, very competitive against the New England Patriots. Now, it all fell apart last year. Uh, the quarterback play was not where it needed to be. You go bring in a Nick Foles. I think they'll be better in that department. Offensive line-wise, Cam Robinson, I thought last year, man, did they miss him. Getting him back is going to be big for this offense. And then defensively, there's just too much talent uh, for them not to play at a high level. I think you see a bounce-back year. And, and keep an eye on this one. I know Josh Allen comes in, fell under their lap in the draft, talented mm-hmm. edge rusher from Kentucky. But Yannick Ngakwe has long been one of the better edge rushers that doesn't get discussed in the NFL. And now having a, a legitimate, viable threat on the other side in Josh Allen. I think Yannick Ngakwe, is, he's a legit NFL defensive player of the year candidate, Buck. He's got the ability to get up there and post huge sack numbers, and I think he does that this year. Look, he has to do it. This team is under the pressure. They have to get back to being a team that is really in contention of winning the AFC South. This is a team that has all the talent that you want. They just got to play the right way. A team that I believe is going to play the right way, 
is a team that I believe could be the most talented team in the National Football League. How about the Cleveland Browns? I'm going all in on the Cleveland Browns. And this is a hard <laughs> one go. for me because, look, I, I wonder, how are you going to do it with a young coach that is just kind of making his way in Freddie Kitchens? How's the second-year quarterback in Baker Mayfield going to handle all the personalities that he has at his disposal? But Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, uh, you look in the backfield. With Nick Chubb, you have Kareem Hunt, who's eventually going to be a contributor to this team. That offensive line is solid. David Njoku should take a major jump. And then they have the luxury of playing behind what I think is going to be a top defense. This defense is loaded. Olivier Vernon, Jordan Miles Garrett. Um, all the weapons that they have kind of added on both sides of the ball, plus Steve Wilkes, a defense coordinator, who I believe is an upgrade over Greg Williams. There's no reason why the Cleveland Browns shouldn't win the AFC North. I know it's a lot of pressure, but man, this team is loaded. I expect big things in the dog pound. Yeah, look, one of us had to say something about the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the talent is, you can't ignore it. I mean, there's tremendous amount of talent that on this roster built uh, by John Dorsey. My number one team, though, I'm going to go to the NFC. I'm going to go to the NFC West, and I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers. Is a stock I would be pushing all in right now on the 49ers because we got to stick to what we believe. We talk about it on this show all the time. We believe great championship rosters are built up front, and that starts really with the defensive line. Can you hunt the quarterback? And first and, and foremost, you got to have the quarterback position. Who's improved more from last season to this season at those two spots than the 49ers? You get Jimmy Garoppolo, hopefully healthy, who is perfectly built to play in this Shanahan offense. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just get 16 games out of him. You're going to see more production from that position. And offensively, you look at the, the weaponry that they have around him. Go get a Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. Mix him with George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. They, they have plenty to be successful offensively, but it starts there with the quarterback. And then defensive line-wise, who's made two greater additions than what they got with Nick Bosa and D. Ford? I mean, elite-level pass rushers. I know Bosa's injured right now. He's going to be okay. He'll be ready to go for the start of the season. And you put those dudes next to DeForest Buckner, one of the best young defensive mm-hmm. linemen in the NFL, uh, that's a stock I'm buying. Look, I'm buying it as well. And one of the reasons why I'm buying it is because I believe that defense that you alluded to, that front for that, those pass rushes, I believe they may have one of the best bullpens when it comes to closers. D4 joining DeForest Buckner, having Nick Bosa that you also can throw in the mix. There's no reason why they shouldn't be able to harass the quarterback whenever they want to. Just a matter of how aggressive is Robert Sala going to be. And then offensively, I just can't wait to see what Kyle Shanahan does with Jimmy Garoppolo and the weapons that he has at his disposal. Yeah, those are the three stocks that we're each buying here with teams. Let us know what you think. Uh, hop on Twitter and give us some feedback. I'm sure you agree uh, with us 100%, as you, as you guys always do. All right, Buck. That's gonna. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us today, man. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, man, this is a great part. I think the Tom Colesto stuff is outstanding. Love learning about the team building process, and I think he's done a great job with the team that he's assembled in L.A. This is a team that certainly should be in contention, not only for winning the division, but they are a Super Bowl team. I can't wait to see how it plays out. Yeah, this is uh, this has been a fun show. Again, we've we've teased it a little bit. We've got some cool things coming uh, later on the summer. We've been diligently working on our prototype series. We're going to release it, I believe. Uh, the plan is in July. Uh, position by position, you talk about going to scouting school. We're going to take our listeners to scouting school uh, right here uh, on the Move the Six podcast. Going position by position, how do we evaluate the position? Get, finding a player, uh, a great player at that position. What made them great? Talking to different coaches or personnel guys that have. That have 
have scouted or been around great players, what do they believe uh, makes a player great? What's different now than it was 10 years ago, and how is it going to change 10 years from now? Uh, so we're going to go position by position, and it's a series that uh, I'm fired up from what we've already been able to gather, Buck. It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. It's one of the chances that we talk about letting uh, our listeners and viewers go behind the curtain. We can give them a little behind the curtain look. Yeah, that's coming your way. So uh, look, be on the lookout for that. Hytham producing a uh, great job today. Appreciate you guys listening, uh, downloading, subscribing. And again, uh, again, if you could leave us a review on, on Apple Podcasts, we do appreciate that. Uh, we've continued to carry this momentum through the offseason. There is no offseason in the NFL. We've proven that right here on the Move of Six pod. Uh, thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.